On you, Katie. <laughs> You're a star. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, thanks for coming this morning. Um, before I just get into the word, I just wanted to just do a little bit of an update on Pink Jade and, and what we're doing there and uh, get you up to date with it. So we had a high tea a couple of weeks ago and a lot of the fantastic ladies in the church and some men came along and uh, we raised over $1,000. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for that. Uh, that's, that $1,000 will go a long way. We've got a new school we're trying to get started, so that will go a long way to, to uh, working there in Burma. Um, the other things on Pink Jade, we're selling the entertainment book. There's a flyer out there on the door. Um, just for that, with Pink Jade, we make $14 for every book that's sold. So they cost $70 and there's yeah, $20,000 worth of bargains in there and yeah, we get $14. So if you would like to get one of those, just get onto Marga myself and you can go from there. Um, Marg and I and another lady from um, part of the June Love Christmas lunch is coming on our next trip to Burma on the 1st of July. We'll be going to our orphanage that's currently got 25 kids and Pastor Nandar is doing a great job there with those kids and we're hoping to get some of the testimonies of some of the kids, the, the older kids that have now grown up through that orphanage and um, you know, get the stories from them of how the orphanage has helped them and where they are now. So yeah, that should be pretty cool, I think. So. And we've got our annual quiz night on the 25th of August that, um, yeah, is yeah, Saturday the 25th of August. Yeah, huge numbers from this church always come along and it's always a good night. Um, yeah, there's always a few flags questions in there for Tash, so... <laughs> nah. <laughs> Haven't done the questions, Tash, but if you give, give me some, I'll put them in. Okay. And the final thing on Pink Jade, um, yeah, is we've rebuilding the village of um, Muaypu on the Thai-Burma border. Um, that village was burnt down in 2009 by the Burmese military, but uh, yeah, we've rebuilt it. We've now got a s school just about to start restart again. We'll have over 200 kids there and yeah, 18 teachers, and it's a great program. Uh, last year we invested in the vocational um, training programs of the school to, to try and skill the kids up for when they go back to their villages. They've got something they can... Uh, put back into their village. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, on to the message. This is my first time sharing a, a message in Australia. Um, normally I share in Burma, and the great thing up there, I can say anything, and the pastor fixes up the message. <laughs> so Tara, you need to get up here and fix up my message. <laughs> Translator, thank you. <laughs> um, first slide, yep. How do you live a life that is blessed or happy? What is the secret formula for living a life that is, uh, that is happy and we're well and truly blessed? What if I could share with you the formula for having a blessed life that you've been looking for? In most cases, the world's formula for living a, a um, life of happiness is just the opposite to what Jesus said. Um, he taught us at the opening of the Sermon on the Mount. And who better to give us a formula for happiness than the author and giver of life himself, Jesus? Do you want to live a life of happiness? And then tune into Jesus. I've found that this, you know, reading through this, the, the message of the Beatitudes, was something that's just one of the greatest teachings um, that was given. The Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5, 1 to 12. The word beatitude comes from the Latin word that means blessed or happy. And this section of Matthew gives us, uh, Jesus gives us a formula for spiritual bliss and spiritual prosperity. The, the beatitudes are paradoxical. 
being that uh, they're the very reverse of the world's view. To the sceptic, Jesus' teaching in Matthew do not make sense. What we find in this passage is attitudes that Jesus expects the people of the kingdom to, to strive to possess. These attitudes don't, normally, don't come normally to us. Um, we need to learn them. We need to understand that Jesus wants all of his children to live in a state of blessing. And each corresponding attitude or action, a blessing follows. Today we'll look through each of the Beatitudes and let's begin with uh, verses 1 to 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the first step in learning to be blessed. Another way of reading this verse is, um, blessed is the man who realises his own utter helplessness and who puts his whole trust in God. On the surface, this may not make sense to many. Uh, many people, are, how many of us want to be spiritually poor? When we're poor in spirit, we understand we have a need, an emptiness within us that only a relationship that, with Jesus can fill. In the book of Revelations, the Bible tells us about a church in Loetica that did not have this awareness and they were condemned because they thought they had no spiritual need. Does that sound like our society today? This is where many people fall short. They feel that they are a good person but they do not, and they do not need God. This is why for many of us, um, we have to hit rock bottom before we come to know Jesus. It takes hitting rock bottom before we realise how poor in spirit we are. And that's basically step one. And that was me 17 years ago. Margaret had a, a bad water skiing accident. She'd spent three months in the hospital. Uh, the doctors had pretty well given up on her. And yeah, we, yeah, yeah, God came into our lives and, uh, yeah, and, and here we are now. Yeah, it's been a great journey. Jesus says that those who are poor in spirit will have the opportunity to enter into the kingdom of heaven. When we're poor in spirit, we realise we are missing something, an important part of life. And that can lead us to the next beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus says that when we mourn over sin or repent, we'll be, com we'll be com comforted. There are many people who start to recognise the need for Jesus, but they stop there. The next step that comes after recognising the need is that we need to mourn over our sin against God. The mourning that takes place happens because of the recognition of our spiritual poverty by the fact that we understand that path that we are going on and it's the wrong one. We feel bad for the way we've been conducting our lives in the past. I remember reflecting on my life and feeling the sadness and deep regret and wanting to become a better person. There are many people who, are mourn, who mourn but are not comforted as they don't make the changes in their lives. They need to take that next step. Those who mourn have the opportunity to be comforted. Proper mourning includes repentance, turning away from which we are sorry for our previous sins. Being sad is not enough to change you. Mourning is really important. We step into uh, verse 5, which is, Blessed are the meek. Hopefully Tasha's doing up. Yep. Uh, okay, does this one go a little bit too far for you? To say that to be gentle or meek 
uh, will inherit the world is um, yeah, laughable in today's society, isn't it? Yeah. How can it possibly be true? Ultimately, it says in uh, uh, Romans 8.17 that Christians will inherit all things because of their co-heirs with Christ. The word gentle or meek indicates power under control, the when I look at it. In relation to Christians, it involves thinking of others above self. It describes a gentleness and courteousness in our relationship which demonstrates we have a realistic evaluation of ourselves. Whereas poor in spirit describes our personal recognition of our own bankruptcy. Meek describes our public expression of that same sense of humility. When we understand our spiritual poverty and then repent or mourn over the poverty, we start to take control of our lives with the help of the Holy Spirit. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, we start taking back territory that we've allowed evil and selfishness to take in our lives. Jesus is saying that the person who is gentle will have the greatest possible life here and will later gain the keys to heaven. On to verse 6. Blessed are the hungry. Finally, one I can relate to. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm hungry, I need to be satisfied. But I don't think that's what Jesus meant here. It's the fourth step as we continue on the path to growth is we see that what God is doing in our lives. We feel grateful for the salvation and our sins are forgiven and we start to hunger. That could be translated this way. Blessed are those who, are hung- who hunger and thirst for God's approval, for they will be satisfied. As you begin to taste what God has for you, you can't help but want more. When you are hungry for help, where do you turn? You turn to God and his way. I know for for Marg and I, we've uh, developed a real hunger to reach out for those that are less fortunate. God will not leave you hungry. And we've found that constantly in the the missions field. We're constantly amazed at the doors that have opened for us in the, the Pink Jade ministry. We've been given opportunities and contacts that, to advance our work that we could not have done through our own strength. When we seek God, he opens doors. So many times we've asked God for guidance and he finds a way. The next four Beatitudes are all things that people can see. The first one deals with our own attitudes. Blessed are the merciful. What does it mean to be merciful? Merciful means to be charitable. The fifth beatitude does not teach that mercy to men brings mercy from men, but mercy to men brings mercy from God. If we're merciful to others, God will be merciful to us, whether men are or not. Being merciful would mean that we would do it would mean that we would do what is best for other people based on the light of God's word. This is what our church does really well on a regular basis. We give and show mercy to our fellow man. Every week I see parcels of food, etc., going out to those less fortunate. And those people we don't even know. And I think that's just amazing. When we seek God's approval, we'll always be looking to help other people. God sees how we deal with people. He knows the heart behind the action. 
If you want God to show you your mercy, you, you need to show it to others. And as we start to show mercy to people, then we can take an, the next step in the, the growth process. Blessed are the pure in heart. A person with a pure heart does not have mixed emotions or mixed motives. They're doing what they're doing because they love Jesus. There's no hidden agenda behind the mercy shown or the love and help being given. How do we get a pure heart? In my opinion, it's through coming in contact with the poor, the depressed, the lonely, the needy and the suffering. When you get to know them, you get to know how blessed you are and you want hunger for more. When we're pure at heart, we'll then begin to affect others in a positive way. Okay, and the next one, blessed are the peacemakers. As we continue on the path of growth, and after we've recognised our need for Jesus, repented our past, allowed the Spirit to help us control, get control of ourselves, fed on God's word, felt mercy towards others, and our hearts are purified, then we all, you'll want to be a peacemaker. We all have that call from God to be the one who helps man come to peace with God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We're all bridge builders. We are called to help build the bridge between man and God through Jesus. We get to a point where we realise that people need the Lord. And we dedicate ourselves to, to teach, to try to reach people with the gospel. God says as we try to do this, we'll all be called sons and daughters of God. Sorry, Jesus said that. Okay, the last of the Beatitudes is um, about the persecuted. In life, we make changes to ourselves. Many people will leave us alone as long as we keep to ourselves. But when we start to go out and try to change the world, things can start to happen. Jesus said in John 15, 18 to 20, the world would hate us because we belong to him. There have been countless numbers of people who have died for their faith. Some have, are called by God to do that. We can't turn back at that stage or give up when the fighting gets tough. We need to hang in there and remember that we serve a great God who has given us a great message. Our work in Burma comes at a huge personal toll for, for both Mark and I, but when we see the, the persecution of the ethnic people of Burma, many of them who are Christians, we see that, that the level of pain that we go through is minimal, really. Jesus tells us to suffer for his sake and we'll possess the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty well uh, the eight Beatitudes, folks. It's a step-by-step -step plan on, on getting to the kingdom of heaven. And uh, yeah, it's, when you read those Beatitudes, it doesn't always appear to you that way. So, um, The interesting thing with the Beatitudes is that Jesus does not want us to just get to level one, like mourning over our condition and then stopping. Ben, you guys ready? Yeah. Jesus lays out the attitudes and the actions for those who want to be part of his kingdom. The Beatitudes are not optional to be for us as Christians. They're expected conduct and attitudes that we are to strive to as citizens of the king. 
the difficulties that we face in this world are but little when we're compared to the glories of heaven. And, and Jesus has laid out that path for us to being blessed. Are you ready to walk it? Yeah. Start by going one step at a time. So let's just have a little bit of time of reflection. Just think about where you are on that step-by-step journey. Hopefully we can all make it to, to step eight and just be a, a, a true child of God. We will all get there. just takes a bit of perseverance. And for Mark and I, it's been a marvellous ride. And uh, we thank you for this time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope I've been able to, to, to get something through. Um, yeah, it's been a great opportunity for me to work through this message, and, and I thank Tara for that. Thanks, all. Morning, church. In a moment, we'll have the opportunity to take communion, share in the Lord's Supper. It's great that we've just been through this period that we refer to as Lent, culminating in Good Friday with Jesus' death, and then of course on Easter Sunday being able to celebrate his resurrection. That's the big time of the year, the big reminder for us in terms of what Jesus has done. But we also have these reminders every week when we can come together as a church and we can recall how it was when Jesus died and what it was like for the early Christians and that pattern that's been handed on to us. In fact, Paul writes to the Corinthians, a very early church, and says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing now. Proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes and it doesn't matter what our current situation is whether we're sitting here and feeling that we're in a really good place with God or whether we're sitting here almost in a sense of despair that things are not right things are not happening and we're not in a good space this invitation is for all of us and I think a great reminder is especially this last week with such beautiful weather, if you get time just to sit in the sun and to realize that that's like God's love. Sitting in the sun, we get the warmth, whether we're feeling with God or not with God. His love is not dependent on where we're feeling, where we're at. God's love is there for each one of us. So this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God and for those who want to love God more. So come, you have much faith and you who have little. You have been here often and you who come for the first time. You have tried to follow Jesus 
and you have failed in following. And you have just decided to follow Jesus for the first time. So come, let nothing keep you from love's feast. Let nothing empty this table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now if necessary and God be a forgiver and then come back. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is God's will that those who desire Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit should encounter him here. So please come.